Fear the Walking Dead, the podcast, an unofficial discussion of the news and events surrounding Fear the Walking Dead with Quinn Warner, Stephen Payne, and Bruce McGee. I'm Bruce McGee. And I'm Steve Payne. And uh, this is Fear the Walking Dead, a podcast, and uh, Quinn couldn't join us this week. Hopefully she'll be back on the boat by next week. And... uh, we're glad to be back for season two. I know. How'd you like the first uh, episode? I like that. I like the pacing of it. It was pretty much relentless in terms of, you know, the story starts like this and it just keeps on building, building, building. Right, because we pick up where we left off last mm-hmm. uh, episode, which is he's just killed his ex-wife who was going to turn into a zombie. And apparently they're bombing Los Angeles and... People are being, you know, the zombies are being pushed out toward the shore, so they right. have to get off the beach or towards die. The, towards the Pacific. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, it took them a while to get to the boat. And then once they were on the boat, you had relative safety for a while, but you get the feeling that might not last, right? Yeah, there, there was a... I'm noticing this throughout the whole series, uh, the season. Well, we're through the whole series. And I wanted to ask you, and had we had Quinn here, I wanted to ask her this too. But is there in you? Do you see this? Because I've only come into the series as you know, as, as someone following the spinoff. That we're right, doing we hadn't seen now. The Walking Dead yet. But is there a, a, a sense of dread and foreboding in the original series too, where you've always got that kind of sense? Yes, and um, in the original, they may work this into this one too. The moment you relax is the moment something bad is going to happen. Like, um, there's this episode where uh, Rick is just depressed and things are going awful and he just doesn't believe in their survival anymore. (coughs) And then he and his uh, son, Carl, um, see a deer in the woods and it's just like a magic moment. Mm -hmm. And then somebody shoots the deer and the bullet travels through the deer and hits Carl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have this, um, you know, it, it turns dark anytime something seems too light. You get worried. So it is, a, again, this constant sense of, it's almost like the walls are closing in, kind of a claustrophobic sort of a feel. Well, it's classic horror, you know. Right. Um, right. Even out on the in the open on a boat, you have the fear something's going to show up. Mm-hmm. Then they have the fog roll in and the... The ship is shot through with hose. By the way, spoiler alerts, uh, if you you haven't seen the episode yet, go back and watch it before you watch this. This, uh, Still, I go back to something I said last last season, that this reminds me of the old pulp Weird Menace stories, where you have, they're they're distinguishing between horror and terror. Horror is what we see from a distance. Terror is what we see when it's finally attacking us personally. Right. And so then this, this theory seems to lurch back and forth between the, the horror and the terror all the time. Well, and, um, you know, the whole monsters metaphor thing I think was going this week. I, to me, it seemed like the theme of this episode was uh, going galt with zombies. <laughs> Are you familiar with uh, the idea of going galt? Is that that? Quackery Ayn Rand. Yes, from uh, what's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged. Yes, that's the one where quackery up heaped on quackery. Well, they're um, they're going to be um, what is their? I guess it's libertarianism. Right, right. We don't need uh, society, and we're the people keeping society going, and we're going to 
go galt and leave and it'll collapse and basically the collapse is causing them to have to go but that character um strand in its way though you could make the case and say that the very fact of going galt causes society to collapse well that's what their theory was that uh the the rich people would leave and we would collapse and it might be if they tried it that society would get better. <laughs> but I'm thinking it promotes what the way that the libertarian <clears throat> philosophy works. It, it promotes the very thing it despises. You see them getting out in the sense of human beings being connected. They think that they're going to pull out and somehow, I guess, preserve this remnant. When of course we know that they'll fall prey to the same well, and problems. That is seems to be Victor's. Um, you know, this episode <clears throat> is dominated by. Victor Strand, uh, he's the businessman who owns the mansion and the yacht. And um, at this point, you know, he says two or three, he says there are three rules, or three things you need to remember. Mm -hmm. My yacht, my rules, number one. Number two, my yacht, my rules. Number three, my yacht, my rules. And uh, he's, um, but... The celebration of selfishness. Well, in the Galtian world, once you've gone Galt, there's no private ownership anymore. Anybody can take anything, and they've learned that lesson Mm -hmm. in The Walking Dead. Like, um, even the good guys will go in and take somebody out if they feel like they need to, and take their stuff. Well, and this, Um, this brings up an interesting counterpoint to that, then. So, in the narrative, uh, the young woman, the, the daughter, what's her name, um... Yeah, Alicia, Alicia Carey. Clark. Carrie uh, is Carrie. the actress. Yeah, exactly. Alicia no, no, Clark is the um, her character, right? And and I, I wrote this down, and I've got this habit of writing these things down, but sort of pieces of dialogue that sort of capture the essence of the episode. Yeah, what'd she say? And, and so this is one of the two that I wrote down. She says when she's talking on the shortwave with a guy, right? She says, "I'm here." Yeah, and that is a statement of community. Yeah, and we're what, coming for what, you. Exactly. What we, we, we do better together, what we can't do individually or separately. And that's the very essence of community, right? And so she's trying to reestablish community in the midst of the chaos. And really, this whole series is about atavism. Yeah. Reversion to savagery. Which is seems, what Galtianism seems to me to be. It's a reversion to savagery. Well, Galtian assumes that things will get better for the Galt people, that they're right. going to go off and live in a cloud somewhere. Really, it's Hobbes. Well, that's what I'm saying, but it's, it's, you know, a, it's that atavism. Because, yeah. again, the very thing that they hate, they're promoting it. You know, it's, it's like this law of unintended consequences, in effect. Well, you know, and um, I don't think the civilized... I don't, I don't think the they'll leave until it comes to the point that, you know, where are they going to go? You know, it has to be somewhere better than this. And um, But... According to Hobbes, you know, without civilization, life is nasty, brutish, and short. And I think I'm leaving out something. Um, and that kind of is the theme of, especially The Walking Dead, that's had more time to unwind. But even the the people that you like are getting more and more um, ruthless as time goes by. Well, so, yeah, here's Ruben Blattis' character, uh, the guy from the... Is he from El Salvador? Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Great He's quote, the, uh, and this really captures this whole series. He says, if this is the end of the world, it's already over. Yeah, right, that I like really that. really powerful. Uh, if this is the end of the world, it's already over. So yeah, Thomas Hobbes, the full quote is, uh, our lives are solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. 
And, um, you know, you take away the veneer of civilization, which the zombie apocalypse, that's what that's about. And this idea that I'm going to ride off to paradise on my boat is an illusion that I think is going to unwind very quick. Because by the end of the episode, we're... The zombies are maritime zombies. Well, and the yacht yacht that they come up to has been riddled with holes. You see all these bullet Mm -hmm. holes Mm -hmm. in the hull, and it's upside down, and... If we stay on the water, how long till that happens to us? And is this guy that Alicia has been talking to going to um is that guy going to like come after us? I mean, is he is he with the group that's been shooting up boats right. on the Yeah, we don't water? know. There's a we mystery. Don't know. There's so, a mystery. So you can't trust anybody. That becomes a big theme. Mm-hmm. I think in the episodes in the original series too. Or? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because somebody may be tricking you. Like, there was this whole season where um, they kept seeing these signs, those who arrive survive, and it's uh, come to Terminus. <laughs> and when they get there, the reason the Terminus people want them is um, they've started eating people. They've kind of cannibalism. become so zombies themselves. Yeah, cannibalism. It's, atav- it's atavism once again. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm wondering, so psychologically, this is the value of fiction over... Not to say history has no value, but it is the value of fiction because it does imagine what life is like for people. And I'm wondering from that if this is the, the psychological reaction of people to the bubonic plague, the black, the black Death, back in the 14th century. Because think about it, it was a mass death. Right. It killed upwards of a third of the populace in Western Europe. Well, it, it did signal the breakdown of that feudalism, the the hardcore feudal mm-hmm. system because people could bid up their price right. for labor. That and that and the Hundred Years' War in between France and Britain, or well, what be, you know what became it was England at that time. I think what gives these shows their power is it shows civilization crumbling here because there are certainly places in the world where if it's not <clears throat> gone, it's certainly taking a time out. You know, there are wars, these vicious wars that people are waging, but we don't see that as part of our world. Right. And here it comes home. It's Atlanta. It's um, it's L.A. This it's time, Los right? Angeles, right? Yeah. Have we in the original series? So have we? Have they? Um, have they established that it is a, a a virus or a bacterial infection? I mean, what's the? I think it's a virus. We spent a little two episodes at the end of the first season in the CDC at Atlanta, and then all of its power ran down and it self-destructed lest the diseases that were in there get out. And make matters worse, I guess. Right. And so there's no... There are no scientists working on this anymore. Um, Do we know that... Are there any elsewhere working on it? Like in the U.S. or in Europe or Asia or any place? We haven't found any. They've theorized there might be some in Washington, but now that we're in Arlington, close to Washington, we haven't seen any sign of it. Um... So, unless if they're deep underground, right? In a bunker or something. Yeah, if they are, they're not in. You know, they're not affecting us. I keep thinking that it'll go to that. You know, the commonplace of these apocalyptic scenarios is to have this group of civilized, so-called civilized people that are squirreled away someplace. Well, and at some point, the problem, you know, the zombies will eventually decay. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you'll be having new zombies as people die, but the idea of these vast herds of billions of people that have died, um, 
slowly they'll be gone, and then you'll be left with the idea of how do we piece together a civilization from the fragments? And I think in Fear of the I mean, I think in the first series, The Walking Dead, they still have a lot of zombies, but they are trying to move to that new stage about what kind of um, society we will we have. And it seems to be reverting to kind of a tribalist, strong man. And, uh, well, there was a woman, the woman that was leading Virginia, but mostly it's been guys. Um, Mostly they've been ruling through violence. Um, you know, and people seem to be willing to go along with it if the strong it's a, man will keep it's it a safe. Very, it's almost, it is like a neo-feudalism. Yeah. When you say, I mean... Or even before that, at least feudalism, you had this hierarchy. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, this I, is more I, tribalism. Yeah, I'm wondering... Okay, yeah, so it may be more like the first or second century. So I'm wondering, is there any attempt in the original <laughs> series and now, because we're, we're seeing the events unfold more or less in real time as they happened... But in the in the original series, is there any sort of an attempt to reestablish a, a structure of any yeah. sort? Yeah, and that was the Alexandria experiment. The lady that was running it, the woman, um, she had been a politician. And we think horrible things about politicians, but she thinks in terms of groups of people getting together and doing stuff. And So she led them to put up a wall around it, and they're trying to grow vegetables, and, you know, have a school, and kind of reestablish some kind of normal life. They even are able to keep generators going at times. So, you know, there'd be times of the day that these houses have power. But then it's like every time you get a little bit ahead, you get knocked back. Like, she got killed. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they've still got kind of her dream going, but at the cliffhanger of the last episode last week, you know, you've got to wonder if the Alexandria experiment is about over. I, I think something will happen. I don't know if they'll be able to survive at Alexandria, but... You know, this we is in Alexandria, to, Virginia. Right. We aren't going to kill off all of our heroes, I don't think, so mm-hmm. they've got to figure something out, but it's it's looking bad for our heroes. And it seems like this group on Fear the Walking Dead, they're starting to make that transition, like mm-hmm. uh, Travis... Mm-hmm. Um, he was the mayor right, of, of the, the community. Right, the little enclave or whatever. Right, yeah. suburb, yeah, mm-hmm. cul-de-sac. And he's the one going between them and the uh, and the uh, the military dudes. Here, though, you know, they see a boat full of people on a raft and help us, help us, and they just keep going. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Travis is, um, you know, seconding what... Um, it's very much like a what to Victor go back to, to the do. the old Renaissance idea of the body politic with the people aboard the boat. It's almost as though they think that they are individual cells, not cells that are part of tissues, that are part of organs, that are part of an organism. Does that make sense? Well, it's a very atomistic. Again, it's a very atomistic way of looking at the world. I mean, it's tribal because he's, right. his goal now is not the community; it's his family. Right. Um, you know, I'm going to want to keep my son, my girlfriend, her kids. Life has life has imploded. Right. <clears throat> and um, if you, I mean, if you, you know, how old is Homo sapiens? Two hundred year, two hundred thousand years. Roughly, I was going to say, yeah, about a quarter of a, about a quarter of a million years old. So. For the first one hundred ninety thousand, we were tribal. You know, the city and other. Superstructures mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. seem to have developed before then, so 
you know, tribalism is in our DNA in a way, in a way. And if if our culture were to fall, what would I do? Well, I would try to find somebody that knew how to hunt and fish. You know, <laughs> and you uh, also it's it's part of evolutionary biology. You try to find people that look like you. Frankly, I mean that's that's a part of who we are as human beings, right? Um, There is a pretty good bit of diversity, though. Right. I'm wondering how long um, a strand will last. Be interesting to see. Um, well, The Walking Dead, you know. Yeah. How long has the original series been on air? About oh, five, six years. Later? Yeah, it's been a while, but so the, not got, that much time has passed. So, how many episodes do they shoot or, or broadcast a year? Twenty, twenty-five episodes. No, a year? no, not that many. Um, More like fifteen or 20? fifteen or sixteen. Okay, I think sixteen is the most they've ever done. Wow! So it's almost like a half of an half. old season of old TV where right. you had 30, 32, 33 episodes in a year. Yeah, and the modern about as high as they'll go is twenty-one, twenty-two episodes. So. Um, it's a lot of episodes for that kind of television where, you know, Game of Thrones is usually, what, 10 or 11? It's grueling work for those actors and those writers and everybody else. Well, if you want to keep the quality high, you can't churn out an episode a week. Right. (coughs) And they were showing how the ship was created. and these are all taking place in real time where there is an internal continuity. Right. So, episode... (laughs) <laughs> to, you know, to be arbitrary, episode D is built upon episode C, which was built upon B and A. Well, and like last night, the episode the started almost immediately after mm-hmm. the last scene of last season. And so if you've got little kids, they tend to grow up unusually fast. So, how did you like the episode overall? Like, um, I liked it. It's like I, I think I mentioned this last season. I don't follow that kind of fiction very much because I'm more of a big mystery and adventure fan, right? And so this is this is a different genre. It's horror, you know, horror, right. horror genre. A uh, couple of them, though, the post-apocalyptic kind of thing. Because it's, it's not just a, a simple "this is horror fiction." No, it's post-apocalyptic too. Right, because. The horror brings about the end of civilization. And exactly. Well, it's kind of the distinction between this and your traditional zombie movie. Usually, the zombies get loose for a night, and by the next day, order the government's right. We restore order. But what happens if it reaches a tipping point? And how right. much would it take to tip our civilization over into disintegration? Because it is a highly well, it, it integrated. The, yeah, it emphasizes the fragility of 20, 21st century civilization. Right. It wouldn't take much. Uh-huh. Um, no, all these systems are intertwined or interconnected. Well, and we have a, a movement in our country that's seeking to undermine our social structures as much as possible. I want the government so small I can mm-hmm. drown it in a bathtub. Right. And in right. Louisiana, we're getting pretty close to that, you know. Looking at closing down public universities and state parks, and um, you know, lakes people have been going to all my life are going to be shut down. So um, it's like an unwinding of a civilization. It's like we're committing social suicide. It is. It's, it? Yeah, we're, we're, as Hedges, Hedges says, we're complicit in our own destruction. Chris Hedges. Yes. For our <laughs> yeah, we're complicit in our own destruction. Um, in fact, we're almost eager. 
to Yeah, that's what gets me. It's that nihilism. Right, the nihilists say, oh, I would be fine. No, you wouldn't. No. uh -uh. Try to stay off our roads for a day. Try to stop drinking our water for a day. You know, well, um, and using the web, and use, and, and just using any kind of public services. Um, yeah, the web was a public boondoggle. You know, it was government creation. Exactly. Um, by the Defense Department, or well, the, right. the internet was. The web is you know, yeah, was European created. Well, by CERN, but, but still, right, right, still, you know, basically, it was nations coming together. Right. To In do other words, things. communities coming together to do better together what we can't do separately. And do we really want to get rid of that? Um, you know, I think you get a good look, close-up look at it, but they can't see it because, oh, well, that'll never happen. It, it would be great yeah. if we got rid of all our... Yeah, this is, the whole series is a cautionary tale of a sort, don't you think? Yeah. I think it is. So, you know, it's kind of hard to slice up a, a show that's... Um, basically riding around on a boat for an hour. <laughs> yeah, they'll have to go back to land at some point. I, they mentioned Catalina. Were they talking about Catalina Island? I don't That's know. It's a big island off the coast of California, and it's got a few thousand, I want 20,000 20, or more people living there. Look, look it up and see how big it is. But it's, I mean, it's got a settlement. You know, it's a, I don't know if it's near L.A. or San Francisco. It may be closer to San Francisco. <coughs> yeah, Santa Catalina. Okay, 4,000. It's smaller than I thought. I was thinking it was as big as Ruston, but it's not in terms of population. Uh, most of them live in Avalon. It's right off uh, Southern California. Right, okay. Um, so that was, they mentioned that. And they also mentioned going to uh, Hawaii, but, you know, even let's suppose nobody, the infection had not come to Hawaii, the minute you get there in your boat, the infection is there. You will right. start having zombies because these people are infected. So is it is, is it an airborne? Uh, yeah. Sort of inf- okay. You don't actually have to have had any contact with so it's in zombies. The, in the atmosphere right or now. Or if not airborne, maybe it can be carried from person to person, but it's pretty easily spread, and you have a chronic version of the disease all the time. This it's like being me, infected with herpes or something. Well, I yeah, guess. it makes me think of the old classic sci-fi novel, I Am Legend. Yeah, which was the inspiration for the night, the film of the, the same last name. Last Man with, on Earth. Yeah, with, with series. Vincent Price. Yeah, that, right. and also the Omega Man with Charlton Heston. Right, and it's and it's very similar. And, and then Will Smith. I mean, right, that he, movie's been remade a, a lot. It's a real chestnut, yeah, and it's and it is a, another cautionary tale. And that one, it's more vampiristic, but the, I don't think they're intelligent. I think they're almost like zombies. They are, but they have to stay in the dark. They have to stay in the dark, so they're photosensitive and what is it, photophobic or something? But yeah, you know, they have to stay in the dark, and they. But now the the leadership is sentient. I mean, they. They, you know, they they are reasoning beings as far as that goes. Mm, okay, but now I didn't catch that. Yeah, there. You remember? Well, at least in the film, they are in the Omega Man, mm. and it's been so long since I've read the novel, I don't remember much about it. But yeah, I saw the Will Smith one recently. I don't. The last time I saw Omega Man was probably in the seventies. So I have no clear memory of it. It's kind of on the corny side, to be frank with you. You know, it's it's kind of a cult film, frankly. So yeah, we're limited in our resources. We have some food because Strand has been stockpiling, and they've got a desalinization system. Right, so they won't they run are. out of water, um, but they could run out of fuel at some point, mm-hmm. and also there's danger on the water. 
and tempers will flare because you're in closed circumstances. Right. See? So they're gonna they're gonna have and they're already, you know, like uh, Madison is really upset with Strand because he wouldn't mm-hmm. pick those people up, and um, the son. Uh, Chris, he's mad at his dad because his dad killed his mom, and that will have that effect. <laughs> yeah, it'll kind of do that to you. There was a funny scene in the film where the zombies were on the water, and they got up by the prop of the boat. Yeah. That was hysterical to me, and they cut the zombie head up, you know. With the uh, propeller. With the propeller, but... yeah, that was hysterically funny. Well, and that's uh, that was Nick doing that, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, Nick. It was just um... so funny, I mean. You know, Strand Talk wants about him. gallows humor, folks. That was that was it. Well, it's ironic that his vice has become his virtue. The fact that he doesn't <clears throat> operate from fear. You know, he's been facing life-threatening situations right. for years. Um, not just from the drugs, but from the people you buy them from. You know, he's in these shooting galleys mm-hmm. with a bunch of other... Drug addicts. Drug addicts. Anything could happen. It's interesting to me. Yeah, that there's... It really... It emphasizes too what's going on in our culture right now, in the sense that a new a new civilization requires a new ethic because they're trying yeah. to rebuild civilization. So it really right. does require a new ethic. You know, how do you perceive the world and your relation with your neighbor? How do you treat your neighbor, etc.? It necessitates that. So he essentially is going to be the Gilligan of the crew. <laughs> <laughs> Strand is the skipper. Uh, and he wears, Not being played for laughs, folks. Right, right. <laughs> He's playing like a, you know, he wears kind of Gilligan-like clothes. So, <laughs> like uh, a beatnik. <laughs> right. That's what he was. Gilligan was kind of a satire on the beatniks in a way. What would today be closest to the slacker. Well, especially before he was Gilligan. What was that other show? W. Gillis. On? Yeah. Which was an explicit, you know, sort of take on the beatnik. You know, American youth of the late 50s, early 60s. Yeah, and Gilligan, you know, he did all the work on the island for everybody else. So he's, be the, he's the Stan Laurel. You know, they were explicitly based in mm. Laurel and Hardy, the old, mm-hmm. you know, silent early talkie film uh, team, comedy team. And see, so, yeah, this is definitely not being played for laughs here. This is deadpan se- or deadly serious. Rather. And so Nick um, <clears throat> seems to have himself more together. I think he's finished detoxing off of the heroin. Did you see him taking anything last night? Mm-hmm. I didn't even see him drinking. No, I, um, I'm really curious and eager to see what happen, happens with Ruben Blattis' character, though. He's a real mystery man in a classic <laughs> sense. Well, and... Uh, He's got that very shadowy sort of past, you know? He was the... Yeah, about all he did last night was fish. He but caught I, the eel that but would his, feed his, him. his insight about, you know, if this is the end of the world... right. It's already over or whatever. I mean, it's and also he was able to step in and be kind of a father or grandfather or uncle to uh, Chris when Chris is upset with Travis and Travis can't talk to him because Travis killed his mom and Chris goes to Daniel and Daniel says, "I wish I'd been able to kill my wife that way um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and give her that mercy because again, like you say, it's a new ethos. It is. It's a new way of it's a new way of perceiving humanity. I think even at, at core, not just the society, but <coughs> the person that makes up the society. Well, and um, the idea that if you love your family, you want to be taken out rather than turn into a zombie and come back and kill them. You know that would." That seems rational, right? 
Um, so, we didn't see a lot of development of his character, but we saw his character. Like, okay, what do we do out here? I'm going to fish for what, whatever is in the ocean. And also, I'm, I'm going to talk to Chris. And then when the dad came around and said, what did you talk about? He said, we were fishing. You don't talk when you're fishing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the way men bond, is right. doing stuff. Like, mm-hmm. supposedly looking out toward mm-hmm. the horizon as we play golf or hunt deer or whatever. That's when you that's when you can have your real man-to-man talk. Right, um, right. So, it um, becomes a society of men. Right. What do we think about... Um, the character of Victor Strand this week. He's another mystery man to me, too. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean... Right. Uh, they, they are good. This is a strength of this series that I really appreciate. They're really good at... It's like each character is a spool of thread, and they unspool just enough of the thread... Right. ...to let you see the color of the thread and the length of it, and maybe the texture of the thing, but that's all you see. In other words, you don't see the whole spool of thread... Well, and it was at almost to the end of last season when Daniel came out, and um, you know he's always been real shady all his life. Like uh, his daughter just knows they left El Salvador. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. remember we talked about this last season? Wouldn't it be interesting if he had left because of the Civil War, and even more so if he was one of the torturers? You know, one one of the bad guys, quote unquote. Um, He's he's got a very shadowy past. Well, he's a war criminal, of course. He's shadowy. Yeah. But I mean, really, what what exactly did he do? You see? Right. So, well, you remember how he tortured that information out of his mm-hmm. daughter's out, boyfriend, out of soldier, that soldier. Out of soldier. Yeah. And, and and this is this is good classic pulp um, character development. You give just enough in the old pulp character books, like the Shadow, like the character I write, Secret Agent X. Again, you give just enough information to the readers, to the audience, to tantalize them. Right. So they come back, they follow it through that particular entry in the series, but then they follow it throughout the series, in other words. I think that's where these modern shows that have these arcs mm-hmm. have learned something from the old melodrama. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's, even It's in, been revived for the 21st yeah, century. Before. It's a combination of the melodrama and the cliffhanger, but in mm-hmm. the cliffhanger, you usually didn't have a lot of... Character development—it's no, plot driven. You know, it's all plot driven. The seventh season of The Lone Ranger is still doing the same stuff or Perils right. of Pauline. Right. Uh, yeah, it's very plot driven, and this has plot plus character. Right. So you care about it's what very happens novelistic. to these people, right? But but again, the best pulps—they did that. If you look at the best writers that we respect that came out of the pulps, like Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett, Bradbury. You know, they were they their proving ground was the pulp magazines, and they would uh, develop their characters. Over the arc of right, the series. Right, or, or or just develop their craft throughout the course of their careers. So that their early stuff, you may see flashes of the greatness that oh, right. that, that, that manifests later on. But again, they're developing their craft as writers throughout the course of their careers. Look Like like a Bradbury is a good example of that. So anyway, we kind of veered off of... Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that that Strand character... Coleman is a really, Domingo. Uh, he's got a... Walking. Victor Strand... Pretty long, um, a pretty long acting career. It looks like if you're, what, are you on internet um, movie database? IMDb, yeah. Oh, so this, yeah, this is a film of his that's out right now, isn't it? That Birth of a Nation, kind of the opposite of um, the Gri- the Griffith. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Sure. 
Well, and it's meant to call that into question and sort of turn it on its oh, ear. Oh, and the Nick, I've been watching him in the Nick, where he plays a early 20th century doctor who's, you know, brilliant, but has a hard time finding a place to practice his medicine because he's african-american yeah more oh yeah because so, so he is afro-british is he not right no so is he is his character in the nick is he practicing in britain or the united states no he's the united states okay, he so keeps he's having in... to learn these american accents okay but you spotted his british accent. yeah well it's it, yeah it's interesting because a lot of those characters look at the guy that was on the series um what was the character and he was he was like a modern day sherlock holmes and he was a doctor uh, oh, House. Yes, and, and that character, uh, Hugh Laurie, the real right, actor. Right, he's, he's really he's from England, right? Yeah, he's, he's British. His accent was usually pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty pretty authentic. They probably go for a Midwestern-style accent to try to, as though it's sort of a stand-in for all American accents when there's so much right. dialectical sort of variation across the country. So, anyway, he's a good actor. He's yeah. been in a lot of uh, he's got a good track and stuff. Record. And I... You know, if you if you've been following The Walking Dead, you know that what seems totally unacceptable in the first part of the first season is old hat by the fourth season. So, you know, within a few months, all of them will be where he is now. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, now, there might be an exception, like if you see a lone individual, but if you see an overwhelming number of people that are going to swamp our boat. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's no room in the boat. You know, they're full. Well, that's that. What was that? Um, that really famous film about a boat that's torpedoed or something? Is it World War Two? But anyhow, that is it called Lifeboat? Is that Hitchcock? I think it is. Yeah, look look that up. I think it's a Hitchcock flick, and it, it gets into some of these same moral questions. Yeah, because uh, uh, and it's even <laughs> it's a maritime drama. You know, it's there it is. Although that one was obviously set on a sound stage, right? But it again, it, you're it, it is a micro society of a sort, wouldn't right. you say? Right. Yeah. You um, you've ended civilization as far as it being able to function for us. You know, nobody can help us. We've got to help ourselves. And then you've got this, you know, assortment of characters with their various, um. Oh, advantages and disadvantages. You know, each one has some strengths and each one has some liabilities. Strand's liability, I mean, strength is he's kind of able to grasp the situation more quickly than some of the others. He's also got a, he's very resolute, you know. He's very um, focused, like, you know, here's the way I see it, here's a way, you know, that we can solve a problem or whatever, albeit it's on his terms. Well, and, you know, he's pretty, you know. He's establishing his authority at this point just by fiat. You know, I say it, and therefore it's so. And but it's by the strength of his personality. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say there's a certain you know by his will. <laughs> to, yeah, you know, the triumph of the will. <laughs> and like Travis, I saw Cliff Curtis on a Talking Dead afterward, and he said he's following Strand at this point because he's still basically an English teacher. He's used to answering to a principal, and, you know, he likes the hierarchy. Right. And not only that, but he agrees with him, you know, the consent of the governed aspect, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. by this time he's not thinking he can save humanity. He's just trying to save his family, and he thinks, okay, if we let those people on our boat, 
they may take our stuff and you know throw us overboard. It may. It's kind of a. I'm thinking about this really famous book. This guy, I think he was a sociologist, and he probably is still living. You might want to look him up, James Davison Hunter. But he was teaching at University of Virginia, and he has written about um, the basically the war between the left and right in this country right now. Culture wars. Culture wars, exactly, and and. They're really, as, as Hunter has very wisely, very shrewdly pointed out, they're fighting over which vision of America will prevail. Right. Or, or in this in this case, the broader the, the broader sense, which vision of society will prevail. Well, obviously... Because the whole world is, right. is threatened. Not just America. I mean, the whole world is threatened by this thing. That's a great book. Like somebody like uh, Donald Trump is making America great again. Well, what's that... What's that even mean? It it's means, meaningless, except for unless if you're coded in, or if you if you know what their code means. Right. It means I want America to be kind of what it was in the fifties, with you know, uh, white men on top, exactly. and um, which itself is a, a is a very illusory sort of a goal to, to seek, right? Right. Because you know, they that also, ship is sailed. These these well, and these religious types want to talk about bringing us back to old fashioned values. Well, are those values? Do they consist of putting people in bond slavery? Right. And, and forcing children to labor under any kind of conditions, you know, in other words, to subvert child what we now have as child labor laws and keeping women so-called in their place and keeping them away from the right to vote. And you wonder if that is an end, because like uh, Huckabee, while he was still running for president last fall, um, grabbed a little attention by saying that. Um, <clears throat> The United States should reimpose slavery on people who fall into debt. Although that might take care of the Trump problem, you know he's been in bankruptcy a few times, yeah, about so, three or four times. Hasn't yeah, we could just make him a slave and march <laughs> him off to somewhere to work in the salt mine, uh, work off his debt, maybe. But I don't think that's what Huckabee meant. Uh, oh, of course people not. Like that, of course not. No. Um, well, they're not going to question the the the, the powerful ever, right? Right, I, because it's always coincident what 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 they want, which is power. They don't want to serve; they want you know to hold power. It does look like rule. looking ahead on the IMDb, like Victor Strand is going to be a part of the city. You know, Walking Dead tr- franchise has a bad record of uh, bringing on a black male character only to kill him off very rapidly. Um, but so, he seems to be uh, going to be a long term. Yeah, character. he he's listed through the fourteenth episode, so. I don't know how many episodes yeah. they're having. I was wondering, yeah, so how many will be this second season? Like, say, eight or ten episodes, maybe? Or? Well, it says up to 14, so... Okay. Um, so that'll take us through episode 14. Right. Season, season two, okay. I wouldn't imagine it'd be any more than that. Usually The Walking Dead doesn't go any longer. Um, but this is a this is a vote of confidence in the series that apparently it's doing well for them to... Yeah, they've committed. You know, it's a mm-hmm. good franchise. You know, mm-hmm. people are... Passionate about. Well, yeah, I noticed head. that the guy, the creator of the graphic novel, that Kirkman, he wrote last night's uh, screenplay. He co-wrote it, but so he's got, and he is the creator of the graphic novel, so he's got a hand in the handling of his idea, frankly, which I, I like to see. That it's not just a bunch of outsiders that have br- br- been brought in to handle this. I mean, he's the creator, and he's taking care of business, so to speak. You know, to quote Elvis. Well, and it's interesting that um. He's kind of working his life changes into his storylines. Mm-hmm. Because when he wrote The Walking Dead, he was living in, what, Tennessee or 
Kentucky. I, yeah, it was somewhere up in the Upper South. I'm not sure where, but yeah. It was. But basically, it's the world that you see in The Walking Dead. They just mm-hmm. chose to film it near LA, um, near um, near Atlanta. Mm-hmm. But now he's, you know, he's like the Beverly Hillbillies. He's moved out <laughs> to Los Angeles, and he's got the cement pond. And, Swimming pools and movie stuff. Right, so this second series is... <laughs> wee doggies. Booting up from out there. Or wee uh, zombies. That's it. Put the zombies in the cement pond. Yeah, I, yeah, I could see like a parody series of this. It would be pretty, pretty funny, but it would be a one joke kind of a, you know, series or whatever. Well, there have been humor zombie movies and serieses, or that were more humorous. <laughs> I don't think any of them was like, well, Shaun of the Dead. Uh-huh. That's the most kind of slapstick version. <laughs> but it had all of That's the hilarious. elements of your typical zombie movie just played for laughs. Right. Oh, and uh, Zombieland, of course, with... Um, Bill Murray? Yeah, Bill... Wasn't that supposed to be pretty funny? I mean, Yeah, I that was that. funny. Bill Murray played, a, you know, Bill Murray. <laughs> he was spending the zombie apocalypse in his house <laughs> watching old Bill Murray movies. <laughs> oh, wow. Wallowing in self-pity, I guess. Or Which is why we think we can't stay on the boat, right? Because... What are we going to do? Ride around for four years in a big circle, watching uh, zombie flicks on our, you know, TV? No, they, I don't. I think it runs out of options of stuff to do unless you do some kind of love boat thing. So the the original series is roughly on season five or six. You think something like that? Uh, yeah, I think they just finished season six, but I can look it up. Uh, are they doing like the British series where they're going to this form where they know that the series has a definite beginning, a middle, and an end? In other words, I don't you know. think so. I think, you know, they're making money off of this. You could even take out a few um, of your main characters. Let's see. I see season seven, but I think that's coming up. Okay. Or is this, this is not the, no, that's what, starting in September or October maybe? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it'll start up next fall. Okay. Yeah, season six, episode nine, ten. What 16. are we looking at in terms of this series? Sixteen, that's is how this, many Is this get. set in 2016, or is it set five years ago, or five years from now, like the near we future? We decided or? that last year, didn't we? It was, at least they had iPhones. Um, and I think there could be some vagary. I think, you know, when the first series came out, I don't know that they necessarily had iPhones then, but you remember they're taking videos mm-hmm. of everything, mm-hmm. and... So it's like a handheld device, right? Yeah, basically, it's it's roughly contemporaneous with our time. Yeah, a little more so than Walking Dead was, although in theory they're from the same period. Um, I think that's something that makes it that much more unsettling. You know that this could be going on right now, right? Um, Yeah, the zombies could be already out there. Yeah, because setting setting is not is not just geography; it's time, but also it's not just time; it's geography and it's the cultural sort of milieu in which that thing is taking place. Right. And it was all about, you know, Black Lives Matter stuff mm-hmm. that's going on, mm-hmm. um, other things um, that are basically current issues in 2015. Which was, which apocalyptic literature does, typically. That, the, right. The apocalypse becomes a figure for exploring 
ideas that we are not necessarily keen to explore because they're so unsettling. Night of the Living Dead was all about uh, race relations Mm -hmm. because they had a Victor Strand there. He was the strong black figure, and then you had the um, sweaty white guy, you know, that uh, he was overweight, nervous. What are we doing? What are we doing? He wanted to be the boss, but there was no way he could be the boss, you know. Do you remember that? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah, I'm the original black and white uh, uh, movie from way back. Oh, they're coming for you, Barbara, and the blood looks like I think it was was it made from chocolate mush or something or other, but it was shot in black and white. Yeah, it was black and white. Night of the I'm, Living I'm Dead. I'm sitting here thinking about too the Omega Man, 1968. That, that is a figure in 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 part at least for. <laughs> the idea of bacteriological warfare and the tensions between the East and West during the, the 70s you know, version of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, in fact, the Heston version of it, now this is not as explicit in the, in the book, but in the Heston film, it is a plague basilisk or something that gets out of the lab, laboratory. But anyhow, it was something that Russia maybe used in chi- or, or against China or vice versa. But, right. but anyhow, it spreads to the U.S. And then you get, again, this East-West tension. So that's well, the background. One version, it was uh, toxic waste had been spilled out of these drums, mm-hmm. you know. It, so here they have so the environmental pollution, hazard. right. Yeah. But in this, we don't know where it came from. Um, it was just... Um, so it is still a mystery in terms of the source of it and what's yeah, this Yeah, was this else. a weaponized, uh, or did it just evolve, mm-hmm. you know? Like a Is mute, it Mother a Earth trying to throw us off so that we can't keep destroying her? Um, Is that footage from the Night of the Living Dead? This is the old um, old trailer. Yeah, there's a funny line in there. They're coming for you, Barbara. I don't remember that. Who's yeah. Barbara? She's the, one of the young female characters in the film. And I think it's that her brother keeps on horsing around with her trying to scare the pie out of her. And of course the all the fears come true as the zombies start prowling, or shambling yeah. in this case. But in that case, it became a metaphor for race relations, and then it was remade in the nineties. Um, yeah, George Romero, maybe is that right? Yeah, it was. And in that case, they focused on the girl who's still silent, but she's yeah, becoming a lot badass. And I think that may be George Romero, but I'm not sure about that. Director Tom Savini. And see? Oh, yeah, Romero. Yeah, yeah. But Barbara was the But they, you badass. see these, these things become, again, they become figures for, te- for story, you know, devices for telling stories. <laughs> and then the next day when she's uh, rescued, all the rednecks with pickup trucks are, you know, running around shooting <clears throat> zombies, and she kind of joins them. And it's even to the point that they've got zombies ha- hanging in trees, taking uh, they're taking a uh, oh target practice at them. Um, <coughs> so it was, um, you know, kind of a nod to what was going on in there. You know, mm-hmm. this is the same decade that gave us Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right. uh, other powerful female heroes. I wonder if we'll ever do anything with Alicia. Because uh, she played on that 100 series. They killed her off this last year. But she was the queen of the Sky Crew. I mean, not the Sky Crew, the uh, Tree Crew. Mm-hmm. Which is the crew of people 
who live in the tree area. Oh, is that another post-apocalyptic thing? Yeah, the world has destroyed itself, and some people shot off into space, and some people lived under the mountain, and some people live in the mountains, and some people live under the trees. But, um, you know, she was the queen of one of those groups, and truly badass. You know, mm-hmm. she's got moves. She could be more than they're doing with her right now. I hope they do. Because last night she was just kind of... You can understand the need to reach out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was like they said to give her something to do. They said listen to the radio. And then that's all she could think about. You know, she, she became obsessed with listening to the radio. And then she started Reaching talking out. to people. Right. Right. Well, which again, was that's a mistake. A, that's a natural... Yeah, it's a natural human reaction right. and to reestablish community means equilibrium, or conversely, equilibrium means community. And what would we be doing exactly. in that situation? We'd the, be trying to find if there's civilization. See, that, that's why I'm saying this. I wonder if, but what psychologically, this was the reaction on a certain level. This was the reaction of people in Western Europe to the bubonic plague. Yeah, because they see society crumbling around them. They're carting bodies off, and I'll think about this. They don't know what caused it. You know, they you now they have a more spiritual sort of a response in terms of what they think that God is displeased with them, etc. Right, God smiting them exactly. Whereas these people, you know, seem to think it's scientific. Some, again, right. like a plague bacillus is loose or a viral infection is loose. Uh, the source of it is still unknown, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the psychological response seems to me to be rather similar. Well, I see we're running short on time. Did you have any last thoughts before we... Um... I'm eager to see what's going to happen next week when they, if they solve the mystery, so to speak, of the the riddled yacht, the right. riddled yacht that's flipped upside down, uh, to see not only who who caused it, but why they caused it, or why they did it. I mean, obviously, but it's, it's, it's the old reporter's questions, who, what, when, where, why, Well, and it how. seems awfully fast. Like, it took a while before people got that bad in the, the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're there, but it's been several years, and this is just a matter of hours. They just bombed Los Angeles, and already somebody's out there becoming a pirate, apparently. Right. Well, yeah, that, this is why I said at the very beginning of today's, you know, our podcast, that the, the pacing was relentless. Yeah. It's almost breakneck sort of pacing. It's, it's kind of, in a way, kind of a challenge to follow. In other words, if you get up and get out of the room, you know, to go get a snack or go to the restroom, you probably ought to do it during the commercial break. Well, I always... And press pause. <laughs> <laughs> but you get the point. Right, I mean, oh yeah, you can't, it's, you the can't pacing, miss it. The pacing of these things makes me think of the old Mission Impossible. You, you better, if you're going to get into the narrative, you better do it at the very beginning. But then it's also critically important to have those quiet moments where you can develop character and relationships, mm-hmm. and it's not just running and gunning, and they did have that too, so it's a matter of balance. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's when you find out what's going on in people's minds. Well, for... Fear the Walking Dead, a podcast. I'm Bruce McGee. I'm Steve Payne. We want to thank all of you for listening to this week's episode. We hope that you'll uh, continue to listen to uh, future episodes, but we also hope that you'll continue to follow this series. Bye for now. Bye for now.